Oh, Dr. Wowie. Oh, Dr. Wowie. Wowie, Wowie, Dr. Wowie. Like that. <laughs> yeah, Dr. like Wowie. that. Pretty much just like that. Dr. Wowie. You're listening to the canonical episode 59 of the Insert Credit Podcast. I'm Alex Jaffe, and I did not listen to last week's show. So as the panel introduces themselves, each of them will tell me one thing I missed. Well, we talked so about video games in alphabetical order. Alphabetical okay. order? Go for it. Go for it, I'm Frank. Fr- I'm, I'm Frank Spaldi, and the problem with asking us that is that, uh, at least for myself, and I know Brandon Sheffield, uh, we don't remember anything that's ever spoken on these podcasts, which is really a, kind of a problem when you guys talk to us directly and ask us about stuff. Um, so I am going to have I, to... I remember. I remember what the question's for. I remember a whole bunch of stuff. That, that's about, I mean, I don't know. We talked about... Uh, I'm totally drawing a blank. Okay. I, I can go ahead and say, in my alphabetical order, I'm Tim Rogers, and uh, we talked about what the best video game title screen music is. We did! And, and I talked about liking uh, Metroid Prime's title screen music a lot. I think it's really fantastic title screen music. I actually listened to it again like five times after that day. Uh, so. I'm Brandon Sheffield, and I recall us talking about two things that have to do with 2D, the Nintendo 2DS and also... Unity doing some actual real 2D implementations for their engine. There. Oh, that's true. Oh, I also want to say one thing we didn't talk about last week. Uh, One thing we didn't talk about was we talked about Unity having 2D in their engine, and I didn't mention because I was I was waiting for Frank to say something. But uh, Unity also has a UI toolkit now uh, for in their next update, and that's a really really hugely big deal because their UI thing sucked, and now they have a they like bought the guy who made Ngui. They, they bought him as a person. They employed, <laughs> they, they employed him full-time to be in charge of their UI division. And, Did uh, you know that? Go ahead, sorry. That's, that's really cool. So, yay. Uh, speaking, is buying, speaking of buying people, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Ubisoft, Ubisoft owns the trademark on Tom Clancy for everything. Like, yeah, that's they, right. They, they bought his name. He yes. no longer owns it. Did you know also John Madden gets money uh, any time a video game is made with uh, football in it? No. That's part of his contract from way back when. Wow. So I think that's a better deal. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. He, gets, like, he gets money for any like anything related to uh, any, any sort of electronic entertainment software. If it's like a fantasy football thing, like no matter who is making it, it's like they, they owe him a cut. Guys, uh, what about what about the uh, Family Guy video games, which feature a character with a football-shaped head? Does John Madden get money for that? I think John Madden does, and uh, he then takes the money, puts it in a blender with some prunes, drinks it, and then poops it out, I think is what he does with that money. That's actually how he created Family Guy to begin with. John yeah. Madden created Family Guy? Yeah, that's why he gets paid. I just want to say something. If you watch Family Guy, uh, I, I know Brandon doesn't mind it, but uh, if you watch Family Guy and you listen to this podcast, stop doing one of those two things. That's just a suggestion. 
Like, you pick, <laughs> we don't you pick care the one. I don't want people who do both listening to this. That's that's uh, all I have to say. So, like, uh, people who do both of those things, or even just the latter of those, uh, know that uh, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. You have a six-minute window to answer them. I wrap it up with a lightning round, and whoever does the best wins the show. All right. Let's begin with... Uh, Snap it off. How is your PAX prime time, everybody? Is that the question? Yeah. Is that an official question? That's an official I, question. I'm going to tell you what. I stayed in a hotel that was by the SeaTac airport. I had to take a train to the airport uh, every uh, every night and a train from the airport every morning. I had to be at that godforsaken place I, uh, at, at about 9 o'clock in the morning, and I ended up being a half an hour early because I'm always a half an hour early when there's money involved. And I had to sit on a bus uh, all day. Uh, and uh, I, I had to show my video game, Video Ball, which is the next generation of awesome, uh, to people like all day. I had to explain how to play the game hundreds of times. Luckily, it's simple and accessible. I had to go to a party hosted by IGN where Video Ball was the official game of IGN, and uh, I had to play it for eight hours, during which time Michael Kerwin played it for most of the time So because I, I got him to do it. I told him it was a job yeah, you- interview. You you didn't play it during any of the two hours that I was there. I'm just oh. saying. Oh, whoa, whoa! During any of the two hours, what about that hour or so that you were complaining aggressively about a mechanic that had been in the game all? Yeah, you along? you were standing next to me, but you weren't playing. I totally played it with you. Matches. I was on your team. We yeah, played. Like, we yeah, played for like four eight, matches. Eight games, Brandon. Eight games. We played eight games together. Eight games, and there, that was eight games with us together playing the game, and me explaining it. It's a short game. It's it's only three minutes a game. But I was there, okay? Okay. I was there. What and also, do, despite, despite your aggressive complaints, you didn't put the controller down. You didn't walk away. What was with that? Why didn't you just go away and be negative somewhere else? I wasn't actually being that negative, but... Uh... You, you were being pretty... Everybody perceived you as being aggressively negative. I did, eh? <laughs> just Just saying... Just how, saying. How many people are everybody? Everyone who came up to the game. Like, what's what's up? What's with that guy? What's going on with that guy? Why, why is that yeah. guy being like that? That, that like, was the buzz on the show floor the next day. Like, it was. Yeah. It was Gabe and Taicho. <laughs> Gabe and Taicho came up to me and they're like, "What was with that guy, man? What was with that guy with that Zangief haircut? So much why hostility. Was he, why was he being?" Like what the heck, man? <laughs> but anyway, anyway, uh, that's I'm mostly joking. Brandon was okay. Yeah. By the end of the evening, he was uh, he he was saying it's impossible for a person to do this mechanic on purpose. But by the end of the night, I think he was doing it on purpose. No, I, 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 so, didn't, Brandon, I didn't say it was impossible to do it on purpose. I, I said it I wanna, was e- easy to do it by accident, which I didn't like. Well, it, it's it seems that uh, we all kind of heard you say it's impossible to do it on purpose. Anyway, uh, every that, time. I, we, that we, were, be. we were playing it in the hotel room with some dudes who came to the hotel to play it, and uh, every time we did a reversal, Michael Kerwin was like, it's just impossible to do that on purpose. I don't know how I did that. I guess it's no, impossible. That's, that's definitely not what I said, because uh, that wouldn't... <laughs> I mean, if if it were impossible to do it on purpose, it wouldn't... I mean, I wouldn't have complained about it, because... Uh, oh, yeah, I, okay, okay. The way, the way I remember it, you were saying, uh, you were like... You know, it's just it turns it into too high level of a game if the person is good. This guy, Mon- Michael Kerwin's a goddamn monster at it. Yeah, so he's I don't good know. At it. And also, so, 
to let everybody know, we drove 12 hours to get there. Brandon was in the car with us, and we, and we drove 12 hours to get back, and I am definitely taking an airplane if I ever go again, which I might yeah. not. I drove a lot of those hours. It was fun, kind of, but also kind of not so fun. So what's the uh, fruit so robot I'm going like to say what my PAX was like. And okay. then, then I'll go the last. Robot. What was um, it like? So it, I uh, went and I worked in a coffee shop in a Starbucks because it, it's nearby. And I worked in the Starbucks for the first day, and then the second day, uh, too many people had offered me passes. I wasn't planning on going, but so many people offered me passes that I decided to take one. It's, it's, it's tough to not have a pass when you're there. People just standing around being like, hey, I'll take my pass if you're not. Oh, they that. don't. It's it's neat. They, your name isn't, like, printed on it most of the time, like the, yeah. the regular passes. Pass and apparently, yeah, apparently it's not against the rules to be like, you know, here, just to let your friend borrow your pass, which is interesting because E3, et cetera, is definitely not that way. Yeah. They, so, they say you'll get kicked out if you, they discover that sort of suspicious behavior. The but second yes. day, second day I went and I played Titanfall. And yeah. All I did on the floor, and then Titanfall was real cool. And then I came back, and then I saw that uh, Mike and Gabe. I mean, those are the same. Mike guy. and Jerry. Mike and Jerry. Um, Agreed, essentially, that they shouldn't have removed the Dick Wolves merchandise and uh, and kind of just made all of those reasons why people said we should boycott packs even more valid. And uh, I don't feel like I I really don't feel like I should go there. But the main reason I went to packs was not to go to packs, but because since Tim and three other dudes, uh, rather two other dudes, were driving to Seattle. Uh, it made it a lot cheaper for me to get here, and I wanted to be in the Washington State area anyway. So that was. I gotta, I gotta say, it's a nice state. Yeah, it's a pretty so, good state. Uh, Titanfall is a good game. Titanfall. Titanfall that's a fun is a game, man. Titanfall is more like you know Titanfall, baby. So you know? it's uh, like a I, buttery smooth. Go ahead. Oh man! Does so anyone want to hear about my experiences before time runs out? Or? Yes. Not really. Go let's, not really. But uh, <laughs> go, go ahead. Let's hear it. Um. So I. Uh, like Brandon, didn't really want to go to this thing, but uh, I reluctantly agreed because I had already committed to two panels. Um, and I figured if my name's on the program already, it's not, you know, my not going isn't really going to do much. But uh, I spent most of my time uh, really loving that show because I do and being mad about that because I want it to be someone else's show. Yeah. Um, I uh, I talked on two panels, and they were both a really good time. Uh, I did one that I've been doing with Chris Kohler and Steve Lynn and Mike Micah for about three years now called the Retro Game Roadshow, which is the antiques roadshow for old video games. People bring up their stuff, oh, I throw it in front of a camera and poke at it, and then we like evaluate a price live on stage. It's a good time. That and then, does uh, sound good. It's a really fun time. I love it. And the audience is really into it, and I feel really energized on stage, and it's like the only time I get to do stuff like that. Um, and then the my second day, I had a morning panel with uh, Mike Micah, Chris Charla, and Ian Adams where we discussed six-second game pitches, which is something Mike started doing at GDC via Vine. And it was basically an hour of us showing uh, drunk game developers giving really bad video game ideas up and then uh, having the audience do the same to us and us discussing their good ideas. My favorite was this really nervous lady came up to the mic and she's like, it's a platform game where you're a white rabbit and then she kind of ran away. And that was 
that was like the best thing that ever happened. I really want to play that game. Uh, my favorite, my favorite, my favorite six second concept from the panel from the audience was uh, Magic Eye on the Oculus Rift. I'd play that. <laughs> Think about how stupid that is. Like Magic you have a, you have a device that already functions to to fake 3D to you, and you're crossing your eyes to fake 3D in fake 3D. It's, I I don't want um, to. Uh, uh, Say for certain, but I think it wouldn't work. I think that's also. I, I, I think it wouldn't work. Yeah, I think I also think it wouldn't work. Um, I mean, like, so, phys- like physically, it just wouldn't work. So I, I got I got to one up this. Uh, yeah. And so I spent a lot of my time having to explain to people why I'm probably not going to do these panels ever again. Um, and if do them somewhere my, else, Frank. I know I will. But, okay. like, I, I've got a pretty a good proper, idea. There has to be a proper venue for him. Uh, and if Mike had said that stuff and dug this back up on like Saturday instead of Monday, I would have had a really great shortcut to just point at and be like, that's why. But I had to kind of go into the backstory with everyone. Um, so, yeah, I don't really plan on going there again. In fact, I'd already planned on this being my last one anyway, and he just made my life a whole lot easier today. We'll um, find a good venue for it, Frank. We'll find it. Yeah, I hope so. Um, I mean, it could be a podcast, the darn thing. Yeah, but I really like the live interaction. I like meeting people afterward. I mean, people come up and talk to me, and, like, you know, that's the only time that, like, for Lost Levels People talk to you? That's the only time people talk to me, but it's the only <laughs> time that the people come up and, and tell me how they, you know, appreciate, like, the, the game preservation stuff I do. You know, I get emails once in a great while, but it's not the same as, as having someone come up to you in real life and being like, I really appreciate what you do. Please keep doing that. That's, I mean, I live for that stuff, you know? And for this asshole to take this away from me is just infuriating. Yeah, what if what if there was a, a, a real apology where he, like, cried on camera? It, it, it's clearly how much, not how much forthcoming. It's not going to happen. I want to go ahead and just say for the record that uh, I had a... I mean, you know, I, I try to not stereotype or prejudice or discriminate against people, and I, I had the idea that I would go there, and I, I heard people on the internet, uh, I saw Lee, Exam- Lee Alexander had tweeted that Penny Arcade, people who go to Penny Arcade Expo are just uh, ugly nerds who can't play find friends in the real world to play video yeah, games with. and that is and so not true. I heard, yeah, okay, so I heard that from a bunch oh. of people, and I heard, oh, there's just, you know fat people sweating and smelling gross or whatever. And I went there and I went onto the show floor and there's booths and I went like to the dive kick booth and there's like a hundred people just playing dive kick and they're selling the t-shirts and the plushies there. And it's just a bunch of people. It basically is like a huge arcade, you Mm -hmm. know? And it's like people hanging out. It's like they're meeting people that they know from the internet or whatever. I think it's actually a really cool thing. And it's like a million times cooler than E3, you know, mm-hmm. like for whatever that's worth. And, you know, whatever. A million times cooler than E3 is still, you know, I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd still rather go hang out in a restaurant by myself but th- than either of those things. But, man, it actually seems like it's a great idea and it's cool and it's a perfect sort of venue for that. And then these guys are just jerks and it's like that's kind of a shame that you know in in a certain case I'm able to separate uh, Mel Gibson's uh, rampant alcoholic uh, uh, psychotic behavior from his awesome movies but mm-hmm. when it when it's a, like an in-person experience with people it's like can you do that with something like a, a game convention maybe not right 
Yeah. You know? I right. mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough when it's got their name right on it. Yeah, that's the thing. It's yeah. Like, Mel Gibson is creating a work, and, like, I wouldn't necessarily boycott, I don't know, reading Penny Arcade comics, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I just I just don't care to because I don't like them that much, but, I mean, they have their moments, but whatever. Like, like what I'm doing is boycotting lending my name and presence to something organized by uh, people who have uh, done things that I hate. And it might be worth, Jaffe, just eating up another question to explain what it is that we're mad about. Yeah, go ahead. uh, I don't don't think people are clear on that. Um, So there's this whole Dick Wolves thing that happened in 2010, I think it was, uh, where they published this comic, and it's a fairly, I don't want to say innocent joke, but they made a rape joke. Uh, they they, yeah. they made light of rape, and that's not funny, but, like... They, yeah, they made, a, a, they made a rape joke of the sort that people, I guess, like, sort of Midwestern geeks would make among one another, and never be offended because they don't have any sort of life experience or context that <laughs> links them to an understanding or any uh, avenue or opportunity for sympathy or empathy with such a thing. And you can sort of understand, well, they're not offended. They don't, they're not offending each other, but that's not the point. Uh, and, and the point isn't even the joke is what people aren't getting. Like, like if, you, if you look at... Uh, like the neo-gaff thread or whatever right now. People just aren't understanding. Like, they're, they're just stopping there, and you're, they're being like, well, the joke wasn't that big a deal. I kind of agree the joke wasn't that bad, but the reaction, the follow-up is what was bad. They got a complaint from someone uh, just saying, hey, you know, I, I, I find rape jokes insensitive and unfunny, and I kind of wish you wouldn't do that. And instead of either just sticking their ground and leaving it at that or ignoring it, they chose to publicly shame this woman by merchandising their rape joke. They made a t-shirt out of a rape joke and sold it on their website. And that is insane. And um, it is it is pretty psychotic behavior. Is, I can't I can't even comprehend the mindset that would do that. And well, and then and then now the thing that they've done with the uh, response saying that they they regret having taken it down. Is yeah, they that's also what I'm they yeah. they cup they coupled it with oh sorry but they 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 coupled it with saying you know from now on our policy is just don't engage with people and that's kind of almost bad as well because their whole thing is supposed to be about inclusiveness and forwarding gamer culture and bringing people together and stuff and instead they're like now if someone disagrees with us we're just not going to talk to them and yeah. Uh, so that's yeah. it's just like a one-way street now, whereas PAX is supposed to be a celebration of a multi-stream uh, dialogue. Yeah. I mean, there, there's more to this story really quick, uh, which is that after that happened, you know, Gabe goes on record saying, I'm going to wear my uh, Dick Wolves, the rape joke, shirt to PAX. So he's basically saying, and this is back in 2010, mind. Um, he's basically saying, if you're offended... By if you don't find rape funny, I don't want you at my conference. Is basically the statement that he's making by saying that. I was uh, I was thinking of that when I made the if you don't, if you like Family Guy, don't listen to my podcast. I was yeah. actually thinking <laughs> it was on my mind. Um, and, <laughs> um, okay, they eventually pull the thing off the website uh, with a minor apology and just leave it at that. And that's that's something, right? At least they're not like 
merchandising rape humor anymore. And I feel like people had almost started sort of getting over it because at least they had shut up. But then earlier, yes, yesterday, uh, like Brandon just alluded to, um, there's a, a, a Q&A or something with, with the two of them, and Mike says that uh, they regret having ever pulled those shirts off the website. Uh, their rationale being that by pulling those things, they've taken a stance rather than remain silent on this issue. Their stance being that uh, anything, including rape, should be you know, grounds for humor. Uh, but I think what we all are saying is that that's not the issue. <laughs> the issue is you don't publicly shame people for not finding rape funny. Yeah. I mean, there's just a whole bowl of weird with those guys. That's, I mean, there's there's some weird uh, classic narcissistic personality disorder behavior in there. And uh, I saw a lot of colorful readings of the situation on Twitter uh, last night while driving 12 hours back. I was not reading Twitter while driving. I was in the passenger seat for, for a spell. Uh, just to let everybody know, don't do that. It's not good for you to read Twitter while driving. And I saw a lot of colorful uh, assessments. It's like Gabe probably just got rejected by a bunch of girls when he was in high school. And, uh, yeah, I don't like that response either. Really, I, I don't like I don't like it nope. either because I I sure uh, got uh, you know I did I did I had girls make fun of me to my face in high school, but I'm okay. Yeah, that doesn't you know? ruin you. It doesn't turn you into a jerk immediately. <laughs> I mean, you know, I was I was a lot fatter than that guy could have possibly been in high school. So, you know. I don't. I don't feel like. Uh, I. I don't feel like retaliation and being mean back is ever no. particularly the answer. I don't think it's the, the answer. The answer here is to uh, just not support them. They should have. The uh, not support them and to so, offer an alternative. You know, as, as part of becoming an adult for me uh, is uh, understanding when to not give people second or third chances as humans, uh, and it's like that they didn't just. The response should have been right. This is the response that I would have respected. They left the comic on the website. They put a post, a thing mm-hmm. under it that says, we offended somebody with this. We now understand that we shouldn't do this kind of joke. We understand this is dumb and that we were jerks, and we're leaving, and here's a reminder of it, and we're never going to talk about it again. Uh, feel free to link this to people if you want people to understand what kind of jerks we used to be. And it's like if you're not going to do that on the very first shot, uh, for if you know, if that is, if you end up making a stupid joke like that, then it's like, what's yeah. the point? What's the point of investing any of your attention in a person like that? That's... Yeah. Are we done? Is that yeah, it? Yeah, we're done. We're let's, done talking about the issues of the let's day. Let's move away from Penny Arcade. Uh, yeah. Hayao Miyazaki announced his retirement this week. Uh, despite uh. his often quoted refusal to participate in the game industry, how has his influence affected video games? Oh man, well, that Final Fantasy is mm-hmm. sure is just Hayao Miyazaki, Nausicaa, and Laputa fan fiction. The first, what four or five games? First yeah. five games, I would say. I think he's had a way better indirect influence than direct influence because when they tried to do the Nino Kuni thing, it looked like a Ghibli movie, sort of, but it wasn't that fun or anything. So I, I think that. Uh, him just creating his products has informed Japanese art art style and story, um, like the kinds of stories they want to tell forever, basically, because it just set them on a trajectory. And um, 
Yeah, it's a good thing. I think he he had a positive influence. I feel like Panzer Dragoon Saga is kind of Nausicaa-ish in a way. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's got the right shades of brown and uh, blue in it. It's got the mm-hmm. right the right colors. And even and the, the way the atmosphere. that the, yeah the atmosphere and the way that the it's not so much the way the story is told, but the way that you're led to be involved with the world feels. A, a similar kind of um, pacing. I don't know. It's nice. Yeah, I like all those things. I yeah, really I wish that there were more games that understood uh, his... Uh, that, that had possessed... I guess there's no games that possess his understanding of the flow and structure of putting together a, a thing that is yeah. a story adventure. Story adventure. Story adventure. Yeah, there was that Jade Cocoon game. I mean, he didn't really... Hayao Miyazaki himself had literally, literally nothing to do with Nino Kuni. I mean, he probably he probably just refused to touch it or acknowledge that they were working on it. They just needed money, and I guess they had a really good business deal, and they got a couple of their guys over there to do stuff on it. I wish it had influenced games more. I wish more people were making games based on Nausicaa than Star Wars. You know? Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't understand why there aren't 3D action games that look like Nino Kuni. You know, yeah. like, I'd play um, that. You know, I think some animation styles you see are sort of inspired by. I mean, I might be wrong, but when I look at a game even like Critter Crunch, I see some Studio uh, Ghibli in in the in the animation style of it. Um, I'm trying really hard to find like Western games that were influenced by Miyazaki. And yeah, I'm, this 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 is not a Western one, but I definitely feel like Harvest Moon, that entire series, is very mm-hmm. influenced by the the whole get back to nature style of um, story and feeling. It, the, it's the atmosphere they're trying to create. It's quite similar. But Western games that have that, yeah, that's a that's a tough that's a tough one. Um, Ghibli movies to me are pretty much hangout movies. Yeah. Most of them are. <laughs> like, there's a lot of hanging out. I mean, even, that's not Ghibli, but Miyazaki's Castle of Cagliostro is a there's the part where they're just kind of like sitting in a restaurant eating some food and it's like a Walt Disney cartoon would be like, we got a cartoon here. Uh, you know, let's make cartoon stuff be happening all the time. But then you watch Castle of Cagliostro from 1979 where there's guys just eating spaghetti and talking about cat burglary. And it's like, wow, that's in a cartoon. And there's there's cartoon hangouts. And it's like, all I want to do is hang out in a cartoon, god darn it. And uh, Porco Rosso, heck of hanging out in that cartoon. And I, I want more of that in games, I guess. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I think it's, you know, you could... You could say that that is one of the big differences between, you know, 90s Japanese games and 90s American games, where the Japanese ones were probably really pretty significantly influenced, a bunch of them, by Miyazaki and those, and, you know, Otomo and, and these kinds of stories, where, and, uh, whereas American companies were making games based on Star Wars and Star Trek and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, legend sword and sorcery things um, and that's just kind of one of the big divergences and you just I mean it's it's not like uh, western developers until people that are our age grew up even knowing 
what anime was. It wasn't it wasn't readily available, and you couldn't really. I mean, when I say anime, I use it in the Japanese sense of being animation, um, yeah. not not just a, not a specific kind of. Say the not, not an aesthetic. Uh, yeah. I'm yeah. trying to think of more games that have a Ghibli sort of feeling. Like, or well, some... I, I'm not. I'm not all that familiar with Japanese media, nor have I seen, you know, even the majority of the Ghibli movies. But uh, oh man, really? But I think but, I... but I, I always got that feeling from the Mother series. Well, yeah. Well, I was about to say number okay. one, Frank. I think you would probably like all of them. If you oh, I, I I agree. Yeah, I don't <laughs> yeah. disagree. I, I think you'd probably. I'm, I'm not avoiding literally. them. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, I'm just letting you know, like knowing you, what I know about you yeah. personally, I'm pretty sure you'd like every one of them. That, I mean, that, I, that's one thing. I feel like every okay. every uh, every RPG that has a scene where all the characters get together and talk about something, and they have like a discussion about what's going to go on, where Final to Fantasy go. Final Fantasy VI has a bunch of those. Yeah, Final Fantasy VI has a bunch. I feel like all of those kinds of things are are influenced by that kind of aesthetic that Tim was talking about, where you know they'll just hangout. have they'll have a they'll have a hangout thing that is somewhat exp- expository, but mostly is just to help you to get to know those characters and. And uh, you know, figure out who they are in the context of talking to the other characters without something dramatic and ridiculous happening. Like they can have a time where it's like, oh, this is what they're like when they're at rest and when they're not, they're not fighting the giant monster and and everything is not exploding. And we don't have that as much in Western games where you get to investigate the characters under normal circumstances. They're always under pressure and doing something crazy. You don't get to see them hang out in an inn. Yeah, they're always inn. talking about tangos and, and Charlie. And, <laughs> That's uh, right. I, 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 so I wanted to say that, uh, yes, Frank, uh, Earthbound has a lot of Studio Ghibli feeling stuff in it, and it's also worth noting that Shige Sato Itoi, who's the writer who wrote Earthbound and Mother mm-hmm. and Mother 3, uh, Mother 3 especially has a Ghibli feeling to it. But, uh, I mean, he was the voice of the father in uh, My Neighbor Totoro in mm-hmm. the Japanese version, and uh, he was a guy that, uh, uh, what's his name, Hayao Miyazaki approved of and thought was a cool guy. They're yeah, both, I, wasn't, uh, I wasn't sure if he was influenced by Miyazaki or if they were kind of peers creatively. Yeah, they're, 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 they're peers. Obviously, Miyazaki's the yeah. more famous, uh, successful guy. Uh, also, both, both uh, Miyazaki and Itoi are the same kind of communist, which is, you know, so they, like, they hang out at the same communist parties. <laughs> there was another game that was very, very Ghibli-ish. I wanted to... Oh, I, I think uh, Wind Waker was pretty yeah. Ghibli. Yeah, yep. All I right. think Wind Waker was pretty darn Ghibli. I was waiting for that one. Now we can move on. Uh, Keiji Inafune is laughing all the way through his stretch goals with the explosive worry, success of his Mega Man-esque Kickstarter venture, Mighty Number no. 9. In light of this, what's going on at Capcom right now? I don't want to talk so much about what's going on at Capcom right at the moment. Capcom probably hasn't even seen it, and that's yeah. as much an insult <laughs> as it is a compliment uh, because they are so out of touch with the world. Right. When you say so Capcom, wanna, you, you mean Capcom Japan. I mean Capcom yeah. Japan. Yeah. So I just want to point out that I am wearing the uh, the, the Kickstarter reward uh, Mighty Number no. 9 t-shirt right now. I just want to point nice. that out. I'm, I wore it just for this purpose, uh, and I think it's a cool thing. And... Uh, 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 let's first, first of all, let's promise not to make the joke, okay? Let's promise not to make the joke. I lived in Japan for ten years, 
and I never mm-hmm. saw a single instance of of balls on a Japanese person that as big as this thing, like uh, in terms of business, never never saw it. Like what you know, but it's it well, it's just it's weird to me because while I agree with you, it's yeah. such it's such a scale thing because you know western companies and game developers have already done this about 50 times and but yeah. it is it is different for a japanese person to do it because you know i've been in talks with game uh, japanese game companies that are like we would love to do a kickstarter for this because we know it would succeed but we cannot do it because of it would ruin us and we wouldn't be able to save face that would come with begging our fans and I just, it would just, I just be want over you to see forever. This. Do you see this? The name of the inventor of the mighty number robots? Dr. His name White. Is Dr. White. Not Dr. Light or Dr. Right. It's Dr. White. That's fantastic. That's a, yeah. he's, just, right. he's being 100% brazen about, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's true. He's, he's, um, he's trying to take the power back. If I could address... And he's going to uh, do it just, like, tangentially poke at uh, the joke. Um, isn't Mighty Number no. 9 supposed to be a reference to, oh, there are eight bosses and I'm the ninth? Or maybe it's him saying, uh, well, yeah, that could be it. Yeah. Could I be it. It's something, it's probably something like that. I mean, they all those bosses have, have uh, or all those robots kind of have a number in terms of yeah. how yeah. they were created. I just pay, played 8-Man over the weekend. And they're, oh man, uh, yeah. He's the eighth of the robots uh, in that series, and eight and man is why, really cool. That's why he won. Yeah, it is pretty cool. He's got a real good running animation. Have you watched uh, Kashern? Like the, you know, the old, I the old, the old anime Kashern. I, mean. I haven't seen the anime Kashern. I've only seen the the film remake, and it was all right. But uh, the film remake is pretty cool. The second time you watch it, and you know exactly how dumb it is. It's it's much I'll, better. I'll give it another uh, watch. It also but, was poorly compressed. Oh, that's 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 a bad thing. The uh, the uh, the anime is really great. I, I mean, I I think so. The the old anime is just like this dark, weird, hard thing that you might I'll you might enjoy. Look. And I mean, yeah. he's got a robot in there, you know. He's got a robot dog as well. It's like, why the heck not? Let's have a robot I think dog. In a... One of the more interesting things about this Kickstarter was how. You know, I guess it's they got that two-player productions, which helped with this a lot. But they yeah, were two, very two. clearly like, we know how to get people to be interested in this. We're going to follow Inafune around. We're going to have him talk about stuff. Like, they didn't even have to show the art and, and whatever they don't really have yet. Like, they didn't have to show that stuff because they're like... This is Inafune as you've never seen him before. This is him t- kind of talking about his life. Here's the inside of his house. Here he is yeah. in a pachinko parlor. Here he is looking wistfully at uh, at this thing or that thing and, and giving hints as to this is where he was influenced to create this iconic enemy because he's looking at a construction site and here's a man with a construction helmet on. You know, it's they they really, instead of being like, remember nostalgia, they were like, yeah, you. We know that you do, and we're just gonna talk about. We're gonna have Inafune talk about his his life and what he wants to do and what he wishes he could do and what he can't do anymore and how you can it help is, him. It, was, it is it a really well framed Kickstarter. It's yep. a really really well framed Kickstarter. 
it's one of the few real Kickstarters I think I've, I've ever seen. It's like it's like really good. Their their rewards and stuff are pretty honest, you know. It's yeah. like I'm like, hey, and then they're like, yeah, it's probably gonna come out spring 2015. I'm like, yeah, you know, that's good. They're not telling us it's gonna be out by the end of the year or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's really cool, and I like that he's just like, I'm gonna make a Mega Man game because Capcom would not let him make one, and they canceled the one that he was making, which was gonna be awesome. Yeah. Uh, and I bet you, uh, you know, it's like probably the day this game comes out, they've got a Kickstarter for their uh, Mega Man Legends style RPG based in yes. that world. That's what <laughs> I was hoping to watch. I was when I clicked that Kickstarter, I was like, maybe it's gonna. Oh, but uh, I'll I'll wait for the next one. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. I mean, it's fantastic. Like the way the class of it is such that Capcom probably just can't ever make a Mega Man game again, like a normal one again. It's like you know they would be ripping him off. It's like this is a good like gut check for the video game industry where people think of games as being made by companies, not by people. But it's like the the creator of Mega Man, the guy yeah. is making this. It's like is that enough? And uh, they super overfunded themselves already so yeah i like, really hope that what 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 i want to know out of this and i guess which is what this is what we will see is can he do it again because it it's kind of been a while since he did a cool thing with yeah. his company you know uh, and I, this I is going to be his, a test i think his 3ds games are pretty cool i He's mean I'm a, I'm a weirdo <laughs> I'm a weirdo, but I think they're pretty cool, and I know he can make a cool thing. I mean, yeah. I don't know why I know that, but I just—it's my guess. Let's watch it happen. Heck Here's yeah. our uh, listener question. Okay. Oh, hey. Jack T asks: Is Jack Saints T. Row Four a subs- a subversive critique of everything that is wrong with AAA games, or is it just another example of everything that is wrong with AAA games? I think it's a little bit of both. I do I also. It, Same. Like. There's no reason you can't have humor in a game that's not about games, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. or about humor either. Or there's no there's there's no reason you can't critique game design practices uh, in uh, in a game that's just kind of a normal game that does stuff better, you know? Critiquing mm-hmm. by doing. You don't have to just point it out and be like, "Yeah, look at this dumb thing that you like in dumb games." We're yeah, doing like that, it dumber. That um, Matt Hazard Eat Lead or whatever it was called. Yep. Is that what it was called? Yep. That game was like we're we're critiquing these game design choices and tropes and stuff. Meanwhile, they per- perpetrated all of them by accident. Also, uh, or like, perpetration. Yeah, yeah, Retro City Rampage does the exact same thing. It's like you know, do you remember this mechanic that you hated? Now you get to do that. Yeah, yeah, and that's a little unfortunate. But um, I think, I think uh, Saints Row Four they they have a lot of intentionality to the things that they do. Because you know, I I talked to one of the Saints Row people pretty recently, and I was talking to them about how they it was an unofficial conversation. It wasn't an interview or anything. I was talking to them about the character creator mode and how you could make your character any gender and you could dress them up in whatever clothes regardless of what gender they were and um, you, you know you could you could really build yourself in there and that was something that people like Anna Anthropy had kind of praised and then 
So I asked them, you know, is that was that intentional or was it just, you know, like, uh, we we this thing was something we were able to do and so we kept it that way and uh, we weren't really thinking about it. But he said it was 100% intentional and in the design documents that people should be able to represent themselves and their bodies however they felt like. And so, you know, there's there's obviously some real intent in a lot of what they're doing, but at the same time, they're trying to make a big, dumb AAA action game that everyone that plays GTA will play so that they can get money, you know? Uh, so I, and I think that's a decent way to do things, really. You know, have 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 some kind of subversive elements in, and sneak them into a big product that everyone's going to buy. Like if, if Gears of War 4 had some crazy stuff in it, that would be cool, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I haven't seen enough of the game, but... Uh... It sounds like some of the things they do are pretty funny. Uh, our friend Ian Adams was telling me about something just today because he was playing it where I guess there's a section where you're on a spaceship and it's kind of Mass Effect-y. And uh, any living thing on the ship you walk up to, you have two options, which is uh, talk or romance. And if you hit romance, you just automatically have sex with them. Like, you know, <laughs> with nothing else. You just have sex with them. And... Gender doesn't matter. Species doesn't matter. He said you could do that to a floating like robot orb. <laughs> like, that's pretty like, fun. I think that's actually pretty funny. I, I haven't seen it myself, but that sounds like a thing that's actually funny. Um, and I, think to I hear tell you what, somebody tell you about. Yeah, I, I don't know. That, if I would hit yeah. that button. I'd hit that it's button a, a bunch of times. It's, it, it gets less funny as you think of all the work people had to do to put that in the game. <laughs> you know, I think, it's like, I think well, unless, unless they just fade to black. Maybe it just fades to black and comes back, and it's like you had sex with it. No, but I think you know it, it gets less funny when you think about all the work they had to do to put into that, but then on a different level, it gets funnier <laughs> again when you think about all the work they had to put into True. doing that. <laughs> so what would you do today, Frank? <laughs> well, I programmed some robots. Well, uh, you and, know, I've uh, got I've got three engineers on on the sex level for the next month. Uh, <laughs> I just want to make sure it's a you know it's it's not a it's, it wasn't even in, in the design doc, but we had this idea and it was really funny and you know we're going to delay the game a little bit, but damn it, you're going to have sex with that robot orb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I like it. Uh, that's all I've got to say about Saints Row Four. That all right. All I, I just want to say that I'm probably never going to play it. it was, I'm probably it also. Yeah. No. I am probably going to play GTA 5 for six months, but that's another thing. I'm going to play GTA 5. Yeah. I'm not going to play that. I, I, I might. I'm not sure yet. I was actually going to say that I'm, I, I'm not sure that uh, GTA 4, which uh, gets close to being a farce of video games, quite hits that nerve for me. And I hope that GTA 5 finally does it because they've gotten closer and closer to that with every one. Mm-hmm. So. I hope so. I, I really want that to be where that series goes. It's time for everyone's favorite segment. Uh, oh, no. We're all going into the improv zone. Oh, no. oh God. Yeah. Brandon, uh, what? you are the passionate screenwriter on the live-action Sonic the Hedgehog movie who oh, sincerely yeah. believes in the source material. Yeah. You've taken a meeting to discuss the project with Frank Cifaldi, the producer, and Tim Rogers, the A-list celebrity playing Dr. Robotnik. Neither has ever played a video game before. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, God, ready? this is really hard. You ready? I'm, I'm going to start. We ready? Okay. 
All right. Brandon, you know, I'm so excited to meet you here. Uh, big, big fan of all your work. Uh, thanks, I really thanks. love all of the things that you've written. Uh, I, You know, I pass it around the office, and everyone's like, wow, I really like all the words that that guy wrote about the subjects. And Appreciate I'm like, yes, I know. Uh, yes. My, my kids are big fans. My wife's a big fan. I think my dog might even be a fan, which is it's ridiculous, right, because dogs don't read. But it's there true. he is. He's just a fan of yours. And you you can read it to so, the dog. Yeah, I'm just so excited, and 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 your treatment has been spot on. Even I, even though you haven't delivered it yet, you know, you're we're really really excited. And uh, I just wanted you to to meet uh, one of uh, our principal actors. Uh, he's my nephew. His name is Tim. Uh, he's going to be playing the, uh, the the role of Doctor Robot. So uh, I just wanted nephew, you know, huh? yeah, and uh, and he has some real good ideas for Doctor Robot. And you know, I know you're still working on the script, so I wanted to make okay. sure that, that the ideas got in before it's too late. Okay, so first of all, I don't want to make any waves, but it is Dr. Robotnik is his name. I don't of want, course, I, but of I don't, course. <laughs> I, you know, I don't, but I, I, don't, I don't want to act like, like I know more than you about this subject or anything. But so, uh, you know, here's, here's the thing about Robotnik, Tim. He is Sonic's arch enemy, uh, arch rival. They have been at each other's throats for quite some time. Robotnik has been kidnapping his friends. It's a really adult issue that we're dealing with here. And, you know, some. Uh, I think we're going to bring back the, like, one of the seminal moments from this series where uh, Sonic, the, the giant hedgehog, has a relationship with a, a human girl. And I think this is going to be really, uh, you know, something that you can play off, Tim, as, as Robotnik, who who's is a, also a, uh, a human as well. Who's, who's going to play the girl? Who's playing the girl? Oh, uh, uh, you girl, know, we, we haven't determined that yet. Uh, we're looking at uh, uh, Mila Jovovich currently. Okay, no, so who's, so so uh, so this this guy, this Sonic guy, so he's a uh, what is he like a puppet? What is he's it? he's gonna be uh, animatronic sometimes. I think. Well, that, that's I not that's not within that's not within the scope right okay. now. Okay, so CG I, I, then. I, I, I guess I, he'll I, have I, to be. I have an idea. What's that? I can play both of the guys. I can play the bad guy. Oh, I, I like that. I, I like I that a lot. I can play the robot, uh, and I can play the so I can play the the Sonic. I'm not sure that that's gonna work out. It's uh, like poetry. It's it's, 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 uh, it's wait. It's you you haven't you, you haven't they're seen same, this guy work. They're the same guy. They're, you you know you know you are gonna have to be in the, sometimes in the, you you are your own worst enemy. Two two people are they're gonna have both characters will be in the same scene sometimes. I don't know if that you know. We can, we can work that out in post. We, we can work that out in post, and you know you just haven't seen Tim's work yet. Tim is so, a brilliantly gifted actor. I think he's the, onto something here. This robot is uh he's like the Terminator. Am I gonna bulk up? What what's? Uh, you have, that's you a great idea. You do have to bulk up in the midsection. Uh, this is a very fat character. He's he's called Doctor Eggman in Japan because he's shaped like an egg because he's a big fat guy. He's got uh, a big old mustache, so it's going to be tough for you to be Sonic, who runs real fast and is really fit, and also a big fat guy at the same time. Unless okay, here's you want to spread the production out that much. Here's the thought. You know this, this Eggman thing. What if he were a serial killer? And uh, at every murder scene, check this out, he takes an egg, a raw egg, a chicken egg, no, an ostrich egg, a really big ostrich egg, and just smashes it on their skull and leaves it as, as his calling card, I think. And Sonic has to uh, solve, 
you know, the crime and, and, and track down the serial killer, Dr. Uh, okay. Agrobot. Well, you know, okay. I think, okay, I wait, think we wait. can make this work for the sequel with uh, Shadow. Yeah, right, right, writer man. Writer, writer man. Tim's trying to speak. Okay, so. okay. What if the hedgehog was the killer who oh. smashed the eggs? And it and, was the doc, the robot has to oh. has to prove his innocence because he's being framed because Okay, so I'm I'm going to try to say this in a polite in a polite way, but the the fans have a real uh solid knowledge of the canon of this series and they will not appreciate you, the hero becoming the villain. It just will did not. You, did you write any of this yet? Oh, did I've written write? a bunch of it. Oh, we're all big fans too. We, we we love it. Yes, I've I've written a bunch of it, and and as it stands right now, Doctor Robotnik is the bad guy, and Sonic is the good guy, and it's n- frankly not quite so dark as murdering people and smashing eggs on their skulls. Well, uh, you know, you you have to understand, you coming from your uh, background of uh, whatever it is you do, that uh, that in Hollywood, uh, audience come to expect uh, this this sort of dark mystery out of out of their summer blockbuster movies, and you know, we have a lot writing on this. Project. We have funding from China. Uh, in fact, actually, uh, if if you could play a Chinese robot, uh, that would that would help with the, the funding to to. Uh, we, we could we yeah, could I have a, I can uh, I can play a Chinese. We great, could have great. Robotnik have his factory in China. I'm not against that. He could be making his robots there. But realize that the main demographic for this franchise is younger people. It's people under the age of 18, let's say. So, having serial killers, you might have some ratings issues on that. I'm just What about just what saying. about boobies? What about breasts? Boobies, oh, they those can, are good. I like They're those. gonna have to be they're gonna have to be covered up by and large. Uh but you know, there's there is that love interest, as I mentioned, Milia Jovovich. You, you gotta you gotta let us worry about this and and uh just write a script, you know, just, just, just hear him out. Just, just hear Tim out. He's got a lot of great ideas. What about, he's, been, what if, he's been playing Nintendos for years. He's got all sorts of game tapes. I played all the classic games, uh, the on the the Atari. Listen, we really got to wrap uh, this up. So uh, I want to know. I just wanted to mention that thing we were talking about before. The, uh, the, 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 and I've got a contract with this guy. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I can only do the film if. If the robot gets to go to space at some point, if if he's in space, you know what? That's great. Uh, we're out of time, unfortunately. I need you, Rider Man, nope. to uh, go home and and get get space and uh, boobs and eggs and serial killing into your script. Um, you know, I know we're on what the fourth draft or something, but you know, I think you can fit that in between Act uh, Two and Three right now. You can fit all those in. So, uh, you got some homework. But you know we're all really excited, and I can't wait to see what's next. Maybe right. uh, there, maybe uh, there can be a part where they're in space and the the, the breasts are in zero gravity. Uh, good meeting. I'll see what I can do. I'll see if I can incorporate these these edits. Uh, uh, I'm gonna go kill myself. All right, I got I got a lunch, but uh, thanks. <laughs> Great job, gang. All right. All right. I feel uh, like I was actually playing the part of the producer in a way because I was trying to like. No, you're scope playing the part of the director. Yeah. I guess, yeah. yeah. That's okay. Uh, the, the, yeah. You did you did a fantastic job, each and every one of you. One of I am very proud of this team. 
right, I only want to be going. in it. I get to go to space. You're given funding and the crew to create a documentary about any subject related to video games. Whoa. What is it about? Oh, man. Uh, the document where they came from. Uh, is what I would do. I would, I would, I actually want to do this. I want to make a doc because people just kind of assume that with, you know, inventions like the video game, that there was just some big eureka moment where, you know, I don't know, Willie Higginbottom's like, "What if I made this a game?" and and like, that's not really how it happened. I, I feel like there's a lot of factors that went into where video games came from, and that is what I shoot a documentary on. I'd, I'd show the 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 sort of Bar top game culture that emerged in the in the I think BTGC. 30s. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I'd uh, I'd get into uh, how the mob controlled that. Uh, I would get into um, just the the basic like I have these tools such as you know an oscilloscope or a PDP one computer or you know a, a television even right with with Ralph Bear. Uh, when you have an inventor looking at these tools in front of him, it, it, you know, it, it, they just get to this point where it's like, what am I going to do with this thing? Well, games. I, get, I could try making a game on it. Um, and I would just kind of att attempt to wrap it all together and just just kind of explain where video games came from is what I would do as a documentary. I would be interested in doing something that wasn't quite a documentary but more like a social network style movie about... Uh, Atari and its rise and fall. Mm -hmm. I think that would be really interesting. They're uh, doing that with Leonardo DiCaprio, in fact. Oh, are they? Good. Yep. They're doing what? They're doing an Atari movie with Leonardo DiCaprio as Nolan Bushnell. Uh, I don't think they're going to go through the fall of it, unfortunately. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, yeah I'll watch that. Sure. I would like to see a movie about Tetris. But I mean, to yeah. be oh, a documentary about Tetris, I want to see like a, 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 a movie, an actual yeah. movie movie about it because the story of that is really really neat. Yep. Yeah, it and, is. Uh, I've dreamed about that myself, but yeah, go I've on. I've also uh, uh, compiled many tens of pages of research notes of a of a movie screenplay about New Coke, but uh, that's I think that would win an Oscar if I weren't a jerk and could actually write a screenplay well, but. Uh, it's it's really funny. Would that be a like kind of farcical? Sort of, yeah, yeah. But it, there's a whole bunch of the the story of New Coke is just fantastic. I realize that's not video game related, but but now I'm really interested. But there's, <laughs> oh man, there's a, there's <laughs> a know, really neat story there. The uh, a story about the the video game crash would also be really interesting. Yeah. The crash of '82-ish. Um, oh, how about how about one on uh, when they pressed reset on video game journalism? Yeah, that's right. That would be cool too. Um, I'd watch and that. Ki kind of a companion thing that would be interesting would be Nintendo of America trying yeah. to market the NES, and um, so they could be like a two-part thing. Um, them trying to market the NES when everyone's like, "But what about these? These toys are no longer interesting to yeah. the to yep. the children." Whereas it, you know, be really before yeah, yeah, before they tried to you know with with the uh, Atari 2600 and, and all those computers, they were trying to market them as family things, and then it became a kid's thing and a toy. And um, that that toy stigma has still... It's still hard to get that away from 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 games. I'd love uh, to do just a 10-part, like, Ken Burns-style documentary series on video, video games. games. Yes. Yeah. Uh, each one of them being a different facet. So one of them would be 
the crash and the rise of Nintendo America. One would be where games came from. Uh, you know, one would be, I, I don't even know what the rest would be. Like, one might be on on uh, games as a storytelling medium and sort of the history of that. One would be very I focused think, uh, on Tetris, but with some other stuff, too. The, dream, the Dreamcast, what went wrong, would be very interesting. Yeah. Because that... One of the one of the most solid launch lineups and one of the most solid launches in America, uh, and and yet it just it just didn't work out for all the reasons that we have discussed before, like with the Madden and etc. And oh, the three DO would also be really interesting to investigate. It's it's yeah. hard to do to talk about making a documentary of this stuff because I really would prefer a documentary have actual archival footage and yep. it's like, yeah. That probably doesn't exist for most games. I would like conceptually, and this ties into something. I, I want to see. I would watch a documentary about level design, mm. video about video game level design, in which you've interviewed level designers, and it serves as like an information, like explain what level design is and yes. why it's cool to uh, to the common person. I think you can yep. actually frame that pretty well. And uh, you'd get to interview level designers and talk about level design-related topics and historians about the evolution of level design in games. And I, I think that would be something I'd like to see. I'd watch like, that. With the focus, with the focus I would on love that. FPS level design. I, I would want to make something like that. Yeah, I'd that love one. that. And I'd also love... Uh, there's this series on Netflix that's uh, a history of film. I don't remember yes. what it's called. Do you know what it's I'm talking about? It. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it has it has that kind of droning guy's voice over just everything from the beginning, and like every little microscopic like step forward in the art is shown in its original form and explained by this guy. So you know, there's that famous like train coming toward the screen that people jumped away from, but it's also like he shows the first jump cut and contextualizes it. Which mm-hmm. you know just makes it like, yeah. crazy, right? And it's, and it's fantastic. It really that. is. And and my biggest gripe with people talking about old games is no one contextualizes ever. And and like actually contextualizing the 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 advancement of game design, maybe level design, but I'm just thinking all game design specifically would be amazing. Yeah, it'd be it, really uh, good. The uh, the called the story of film. And Odyssey is what it's called. That's what it is. Yep. And all all of it is on Netflix, and it's so a really good. cool thing to watch. Uh, and I would I wouldn't mind just seeing that for video games. Uh, yeah. You know, something like that. Uh, it's I it's agree. just really, it's just really really almost obsessively well made, and it's got ex- examples and footage, and uh, it's just very clearly presented. I think you start. Do you just do that for video games? Have one episode that's pre Pong, you mm-hmm. know, and then one episode that's like from Pong to Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Yeah, I guess that first idea I had was just that pre Pong episode, really. Right. But I, yeah. I envision it more. I don't know. Just because there's not that much archival footage, I guess I picture a lot more like Ken Burns style panning over stills because you can't do much else unless you're just showing games, which I, I guess you could in that format. I remember the Saturday Night Live skit that was like a low-budget Ken Burns documentary where they're just like panning over. They're like Abraham Lincoln then said, and it's like they're they're panning by a, a picture of a penny, and then, it's like, <laughs> and then they go uh, as Thomas Jefferson said, and it's the camera's like panning past a, a nickel. 
<laughs> I, I thought that was pretty good. And yeah, George Washington, and it was George Washington was a one dollar bill. <laughs> that is pretty good. Was, yeah, it was pretty good. Um, I think it's time to go right onto the lightning round. And oh, the lightning round. Yep. Let's do it. Uh, we're gonna play playing favorites this week, uh, TV edition. I'm going to name a uh, television character, and you uh, tell is... me what your favorite video game would be. This is going to oh. be really hard, because I'm not going to know who they are. This is a really hard lightning round one, too, but okay, I'm ready. All right, I'm ready. we'll begin with The Office's Michael Scott. The Office's Michael Scott. That's Aerobiz. Leisure Suit Larry? Aerobiz. I don't think he would like Leisure Suit Larry. He would feel like he was being made fun of. I think he'd like Aerobiz. I think he'd heck I love Aerobiz I, yeah. I think he would like the original uh, Ape Escape for the Playstation Sure sure. Because it, it has his personality I think Cosmo Kramer Oh Kramer um, he, The it room Because so- he's constantly having to try to enter a room <laughs> And it's hard <laughs> for him to do it would be something he could obsess over, so it'd be like a classic arcade game. It'd be Pac-Man. He'd he'd, he'd get into trying to perfect Pac-Man. Yeah, it would. Sure, I think sure. I think it would be uh, just any one of those mobile games that's basically the the equivalent of like a ball and cup toy. Right. <laughs> Probably, yeah. A Tobias Funke. Oh, from the Arrested Development. Yes. Yeah. Um. Hmm. It's a difficult question. What is he? He doesn't. Re- he only enjoys really bad things, right? Well, he's interested in in something that would improve him as an actor. So maybe he would. Maybe he would get really into Dance Central, f- feeling that it star. would improve his skills. Sing, sing star? star karaoke. Yeah. Or, yeah, or rock or, band. Or, yeah. 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 Wait. 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 You star. Yes. You Star was that game where you put yourself in movies and, and play. Oh, that's oh, right. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's the one. Uh, Omar Star. Little from The Wire. I still haven't seen more than the first season of The Wire. Even I've only I'm, seen the first season. Also, I've got it right here on my on my shelf. Hey, uh, in terms of Omar, it. that's enough. Uh, yeah. Omar, oh, Omar, I remember him. He's he's the he's the guy who's he's the tough guy who's a drug dude, but also he's gay, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a. Um, uh, he would probably like that Matt, I think. <laughs> yeah, he'd probably I like agree. Matt. You'd be into he'd play, that Matt. He'd sure. play the bejesus out of that Matt. Uh, uh, Finn the Human. From uh, Adventure Time. Finn, yes. Finn the Human would like Don't some, restore my tabs. Some some real uh, questing It would have things. opened a bunch of YouTubes. Uh, I think he would like Diablo. Uh, no, Diablo I, 3. I, 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 rainbows in it. Uh, can you play that just like clicking a lot and screaming? Because I don't think he wants a thinking game. I think he wants an action game specifically. Yeah, you can play that thinking and screaming. Diab- there's basically no Diab- no thinking. You, you know, he in within the the world of that series, he really likes uh, action games where you can where you can go on quests like side-scrolling action yeah. game things. So I, I think, think he'd, he'd like the Valus series a lot because yeah, they all have that nice colorfulness. I think he would like Valus. I think he would El Viento. Also... I think he would like El Viento as I th- well. I think of all the popular platform games, he would be a Sonic guy. Yeah, Secret probably of Mana. Sonic. Secret he of Mana. He just wants to he'd press start and go. I think he'd play a lot of cool games. Probably yeah. though. Probably though. Katamari Damacy is what mm-hmm. he would play. Dick Solomon, John Lithgow's character on Third Rock from the Sun. Oh man, he's he would... probably all about Angry Birds. <laughs> yeah, I think he'd like Katamari also, but uh... yeah. 
But I think we could just like give that Katamari. answer to everyone because you can't because we love Katamari. But he's Kat- he's also Katamari. from space and he'd like to uh, interact with the king of the cosmos. True. I think he'd like oh, colony, yeah. colony wars because uh, he, he, in space he would not understand what video games are and would think he was conferring with the big giant head. Yeah. Uh, Agent Mulder. No wait, big giant head, Star Fox. Okay. <laughs> nice. Uh, Agent Mulder of the X Files. Oh, that guy. He'd probably like The Walking Dead. He'd probably um, like Speed Cops. The line. Nah, I think no, he would think it was. Just kidding. I don't think he would like that. I, oh, I, I think. Go ahead. I think he'd, he'd like, like Portal. I think he'd he'd have fun trying Ooh. to figure out things in Portal. I think he'd and, like uh, Grasshoppers. Uh, Killer is dead because the guy wears a similar suit. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I th- I th- I'm thinking something that's like paranoid. You know, that that's like. It just has well, a paranoid I, tone to it. Like I think something that he could uh, get into the get behind the scenes of and, and figure something out for himself, which is why I thought he would like um, uh, Portal. But maybe maybe he'd like Gone Home. Maybe think, you, know, you know, but he'd, he'd like Second Life. Why would he want a video game that's just a, a pale imitation of what he does at work? Wouldn't he rather have something to unwind with? You know, yeah, yeah, you're right. He he wants the equivalent. Of, I think a of Japanese pop- RPG. He wants the equivalent of popping his uh, his his, his uh, seeds in his mouth, his oral fixation thing, right? So he like like a puzzle game, like a Tetris or a. Candy I think he'd play. Saga? I think he'd play Final Fantasy VI. Sure. Uh, Barney Fife of the Andy Griffith Show. They didn't have video mm. games back then. <laughs> yeah, this is a trick question. What is this? Um, Space War. I think he'd like 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 a Sudoku style puzzle game, just to sit down and and like a crossword puzzle sort of thing. So I'm really boring. Yeah, uh, Oscar okay. the Grouch of Sesame Street. He would like all video games because they're garbage. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, he would he would he would uh, very ironically love Super Mario uh, Sunshine. Hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, John Locke of Lost. Oh, that guy. Uh, I've never like, seen that show. He would like Final Fantasy VI because the main character is uh, named oh, after the Locke. same named after the same character that he's named after. Right. Okay. Which is John. Hey, that's Locke. me. Uh, the Doctor of Doctor Who. Chrono Trigger. Something dumb. Yeah. Yeah, something yeah, dumb. Chrono Trigger. <laughs> also, he, Chrono he, Trigger. he would he would like Chrono Trigger. Yeah, that's probably. Basic. And finally, Gomez Adams. Gomez, Gomez Adams. Uh, Prince like, of Persia. He'd like any one of those hundreds of games that looks like Edward Gorey fan art. Castlevania. I think he'd like the <laughs> the, uh, the sword fighting in Prince of Persia a lot. Nah. Yeah, maybe. Oh, he yeah. He's a fencer. Mm-hmm. He'd like the Nightmare Before Christmas, the video game by Capcom for PlayStation. I'd- I think I think he'd like Wii Sports Resort and the sword fighting you can do in that, even though it's not accurate. <laughs> he only likes stuff that's really dark, though. I just watched Adam's Family Values a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and he's just a jerk who likes dark stuff and talks about hoping his baby grows up to be a serial killer. That's like, the movies. The movies don't count. Well, the movies are the movies are the new. Uh, they've replaced. The TV I guess. <laughs> I think you'd like the Super Nintendo Adams Family game because it's actually not that bad. Fester's Quest. No, uh, this the is... Adams Family, and Fester's That's Quest it. was on the 8-bit NES. Jaffy. Good old <laughs> NES. Yikes! Is it the NES or is it the NES? It's I yes. guess we're done. That's it. Either we're done, right? 
Yeah, that's episode 59 of the Insert Credit Podcast. Uh, you guys should stay tuned if you want to ask us some questions after the show. Uh, September 17th is the new tentative date of the Super Nintendo cast. Uh, I'd like to... Tentative, yeah. Yeah, tentative. so get your uh, votes in if you haven't already to podcast. I'm actually going to Japan on September 18th. Yeah. So if you wanted to wait until October... Uh, I could uh, come back with a big old stack of Super Famicom games, and uh, how about the game? I'm gonna do my own uh, special podcast that's just me showing what Super Famicom games I bought while I was in Japan. Sure. Or we could just play them all. Or the that how about right this, now. Brandon? You're going to Japan too, right? That is correct. Let's let's do a special episode that's just you and me talking about the games we bought in Japan. How okay. about it? I, I think that would be. Would that, that. If anybody else, if anybody in the audience thinks that's fun, then we'll do that. But if yeah. everybody hates the idea, we won't do it. Well, weird. Everybody hates it. <laughs> um, it missing the Frank factor. It'll it'll be an insert credit guide in episode, is what we'll call. Yeah. It. I'd go. like to thank uh, Blaine Brown for editing both last week's episode and uh, this week's episode, and many episodes before that, and hopefully many in the future. Uh, you can uh, follow us on our Facebook group, facebook.com slash icpodcast, and you can go to insertcredit.com uh, to get the podcast itself pretty soon. And uh, if not iTunes, uh, you could just put insert credit into your old iTunes player. Give us some reviews. We haven't gotten reviews for, in a while, and uh, it's nice to hear from you guys. Uh, tell us that we're great. It's good for our self-esteem. Uh, so, yeah, if you're listening to this live, we'll talk to you soon. If not, we'll talk to you next week. I'm Alex Jaffe. I'm Frank Spaldi. I'm Brandon Sheffield. I'm Tim Rogers. And now, you're playing with podcasts. Podcast over, yeah!